Welcome today to a very special podcast with Ty and Betsy Tice called Dad Was a Messenger of God. We hope you appreciate this podcast since it is the day after Father's Day. And I have some things that I want to say about that before we really get into the podcast itself. Father's Day for some is a wonderful, wonderful thing. For others, not so much so. We have single moms out there raising their kids because dad's nowhere to be found. We other have others whose dads have passed away or are incarcerated for whatever uh, reason or worse even than all of that, bound up so much in drugs and other uh, situations that he's just not there for the kids. So Father's Day for some is a very happy thing, but for others, even though they love their dad very much, not so much so. To all those that have had that experience, I want you to know that you have a Heavenly Father that has never forsaken you. He's never forgotten you. Even though at times it seems like he's not even there. But the truth is, all you have to do is open up your heart and say, Father God, I need you. And he will be right there with you. I promise you that. Betsy, I'm going to ask you at this time if you would read the scripture passage that we have picked out for today. Colossians 3, 23 through 24. 23, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. 24, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Wonderful. Thank you, sweetheart. Uh, today, we're just sitting here at the dining room table as we're making this podcast. And just so you know, we're in Florida, central Florida, and we're in the middle of a thunderstorm. So if you hear a big uh, rumble, that's what you're hearing. But as we have learned, those that live here in Florida and our Floridians, you don't stop just because the birds are getting their daily spa uh, treatment from the Lord. We continue on just as though nothing's happening. So I want to start off with talking about my dad. My dad is Orville Leroy Tice Sr. I say senior because I'm a junior. I'm named after him. A wonderful man of God, as the title said, a messenger of God. Betsy's dad was Charles Wesley Smith, and he also was a messenger of God. These are two unique professions that put us, as some would term, preacher's kids. Well, for the good or the bad of it, we were. And so we got to sit through many services that we hated, many that we loved, depending what the situation might be. But here's the point that I want to share with you. Not all times are good, my friend. With my dad, his heart was to the people. He went to Bob Jones University to 
train himself for ministry as he went to Bob Jones University to prepare himself as a minister when he came out he joined the conservative Baptist and joined their federation of ministers this was a very 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 conservative group and they still are to this day the Bible says that we're, study, we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. He had nothing to be ashamed of. When we came back to Michigan, which was where our home was, he felt called of the Lord to start a little church in a small town just above Mount Clements called Armada, Michigan. There was, at the time, about 500 people. There were three churches, the Catholic Church, the Methodist Church, and the Presbyterian Church. But there was no Baptist Church. On Saturday night, very often you would find many of the town people dancing down the middle of the street in a snake dance, and that just annoyed Dad to no end. We had rented a small storefront and turned it into a church. We lived above it in the apartment that was above it. And that time for us, for me at least as a kid, was exciting. But dad was so annoyed being woke up at on Saturday night by all the dancers and all the hooligans going around and around. So Sunday morning, bright and early, he turned the loudspeakers towards the street and announced that church was being held, that all could come and join in. And so it began the battle. From that, our church grew. And it grew to the point that we grew out of that little storefront. And Dad felt compelled to start building a church. And one of the farmers in the area said that he'd give a portion of his crop to help us start our church and build our church. While the only land that was available was near this Catholic lady and the church uh, official said, well, if you can get her approval, ha ha ha, because they were all Catholics, you can certainly build your church there. So dad went to the door and he knocked and he explained what he wanted to do and that he wanted to build a church. And all she said, is it going to bless Jesus? And he said, absolutely, ma'am. She says, then you have my full approval. And from that day forth, we started building the church, laying the foundation, putting in the basement, which is the first thing you do in Michigan, because you better have a place to go when the tornadoes hit. But he put in the basement and we put on the first floor, and things seemed to be going along fine. But you know, that's not always the story in life, is it? You always have people that come against you. And Dad was like Paul. He was a tent maker. He was a working minister. He drove to Detroit to work in the car industry, and then drove home and did the services on Wednesday and on Sunday. To say he was exhausted was no, no joke. The one thing that the church 
deacons wouldn't do is they wouldn't pay him a salary. And finally, Dad said, I'm sorry, I love you brothers, but I can't do this anymore. I've got to be able to support my wife. And Mom was really annoyed herself, and she wasn't making it any easier on Dad. So at that point in time, we left that church and we moved to Michigan. And that, Michigan, excuse me, we moved to Flint. I got to look for my wife, well, like, you are in Michigan. Uh, so anyway, uh, we moved to Flint, and there Dad started ministering in other churches and, help, and stepping alongside the pastors and helping them do the job that God called them to do. And life went on that way for quite some time. I can tell you this, that in all the ministries that Dad had, no matter where he went, there was always opposition against him. Why? Because Satan will never leave the messenger of God alone. He wouldn't even leave Jesus alone when Jesus went to the desert to be with the Lord, with his Father. So, what can we say about that? Expect adversarial conditions. That's part of life. We all go through it. Betsy, how was it with your dad? Well, my dad, I think, was a 10-talent person. Yeah. Um, he was like the prodigal son. He started out, he was very poor and had a really hard childhood. So um, he studied at night and he became a lawyer and he was very, very, very successful. Uh, unfortunately, he took his first drink. And unlike some who are able to be social alcoholics and uh, do both, he used to say when he preached, I liked the taste of the damnable stuff and I liked what it did for me. So he became an alcoholic. Not just a normal alcoholic, but a street alcoholic. Not He was homeless when homeless wasn't cool. And so he spent about, oh, first he went though, it led him down a path to uh, uh, jail. So he spent some time in prison for a white collar kind of crime. When he got out, uh, he still had not overcome his addiction to alcohol. So he spent about 20 years on the street. And finally, as the prodigal, he came to himself at a rescue mission run by the Salvation Army, where the author of The Old Rugged Cross was preaching. And uh, that was the beginning of his uh, journey to God. So he decided uh, that he felt called to the ministry and became a Salvation Army officer. Uh, at some point along the way, he met my mom, who was also an officer. And so they uh, did work in uh, St. Louis, and then he was called to Detroit. And uh, that's kind of the first memories I have are mainly in Detroit growing up on the mission. We lived there for 
on top of the mission building for a while. And uh, at some point, though, he felt, having had the experience of being an alcoholic and recovering, that the environment was really hard for the people to get away from drinking. Skid Row, basically, they called it back then. Kind of like holding a Weight Watchers meeting in a donut factory. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? So he tried to convince the army that it would be a good idea to move uh, the men out to the country. And uh, being the huge organization that it was, at that time, uh, it was a no-go. So he and my mom, with five men, borrowed on their life insurance. They would have had a pension with the Army, but they borrowed on their life insurance, rented some uh, old Army Air Force barracks across from... uh, what is now Detroit International Airport. It was the smaller one at the time. And uh, that's how they started. They took as their verse, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. And uh, that tiny start led to a huge uh, mission that God blessed where they had over 400 men and uh, I think it was like about 12 trucks and they had uh, stores, thrift stores and all that sort of thing. So they became very large. It was called Christian Enterprise. Yes. And they had a magazine called Miracle Magazine. And so I spent a lot of time roaming around the mission so um eating all the sweets yes 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 (laughs) and so that's that's basically what happened uh in 19 around 1963 he retired um things were rough for him too he had opposition and so uh anyway we went to uh, Arizona, and partly because uh, there was a Christian school there, and they thought that would be a nice thing, and we had some connections. I see that as a period where he was basically recovering. Being restored. Yes, recovering from the events in, uh, in Michigan as... Leaving wasn't a great thing for him. For those of you who don't know, being in the ministry, when you transition from one ministry to another, there has to be a time of restoration between you and the Lord. If you look at the New Testament, and you can see all the times that Jesus snuck away to be with the Father. They were times of restoration. They were times of restoring. Every one of you, regardless of what type of ministry God has you doing, you need time to restore. You need time to get back to your first love, to your first passion, to your first calling. Go on, Betsy. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention was eventually the Salvation Army took back the work. 
And so that was kind of cool. It went full circle. They have something there in Romulus. I'm not sure exactly what the nature of the work is, but they do have a work. So he has a legacy there. With my dad, when he left Armada, Michigan, he left the church there. That church today is now a full-blown church for Armada, Michigan, along with they have a school now attached to it, and it's still a thriving work. One of the fun things to look back on is to see what legacy God leaves behind. Sometimes it's in buildings and other people. Sometimes it's in the people that you minister to. Betsy and I have a lot of legacies, and we rejoice in that. So after this period of uh, kind of recuperation and rest, God gave him the opportunity to help uh, a wonderful man by the name of uh, Bishop, and whose last name was Bishop, and they were uh, bringing back a building called Penile uh, in Oakland, California. So uh, they were able to do that. They were able to reestablish the work. And to my great joy, it's a totally different work. It's not called Penile. Uh, I'm a little fuzzy on what it's called. But it is a an urban uh, work where they give food and they do all manner of things. Uh, and it is appropriately, it looks like primarily <coughs> a black work uh, because that's that's appropriate. That, that was, that's you know, the demographics of the community. Exactly. Uh, but it's so nice to see that that building is still being used for God, and that legacy is still being used yeah. for God. Well, they try to, he was never one to, after that period of rest, to stop uh, working for God. So the next thing God gave him to do, he tried a few things. I think we, you know, we have to be a little honest and not paint him as king of the world, though he was pretty wonderful. Uh, so they tried a few like halfway houses and things, but uh, nothing really worked out. They uh, retired to Lake County, California. And even there, they did a Bible study. They never stopped preaching the word. And one of the people that was saved in their Bible study was somebody that we had encountered in uh, Contra Costa County while we were selling real estate. So that was that was pretty exciting. Well, then, uh, I never wanted to stop working for God, and they probably still continued their Bible study, but they heard on the news some prisoners, and the prisoners had apparently received some radios or some kind of monetary gift from some other people, and they said... Well, that was very nice, and we thank you. But what we would really like to have is letters. Uh, apparently, I would think, a lot of their family had probably abandoned them by this time. And These, these were people in San Quentin prison. Yes. Maybe even other prisons, too, but at least San Quentin. Yeah, was the majority. And so my dad and mom felt led to start writing to the prisoners because that's what their desire was. And so uh, they called themselves 
Mom and Pop Smith. Now they were older, and so that's what they did. They wrote to the prisoners. In fact, they wrote to 250 prisoners monthly, and those guys just loved Mom and Pop Smith. When Dad Smith came to San Quentin to preach, and he dragged us along with him, and we were his singers. He would get up before them, he would say who he was, and all the guys there you could see just had total love in their heart for him because of he had already made a personal contact with so many of them, even before he started ministering with Chaplain Howard there, uh, who was the chaplain of San Quentin. And my dad went in under his auspices and was able to meet the men that he had been writing to and preach to them and tell them, let me tell you offhand, I'll never forget these words. He looked them straight in the eye. He says, I was one of you, so remember this, you can't con a con. He was proud that he was one of them, but still overcame by the blood of the Lamb and was able to walk forward. Even as you, my brothers and sisters, as you're listening to this today, I don't care what situation you've been into. I don't care how drastic your situation is or how bad you've been or how good you've been. It's all for naught unless you are under the blood of Jesus Christ and then walking in the calling that he has set before you. Do you know that each and every one of you have a calling upon your life? Oh, you may not be a good preacher, but your testimony will talk for you. And they'll talk big time. Because I'll tell you, more people know you by your works than by what you say. Honey? One thing that I think is very interesting, and as he was talking about the blood, I couldn't help but think about it. Even though he would use his experience in the prison uh, to relate and you know explain to the people he still kind of was ashamed of having been there so he was able because of all the good work he had done since his time on skid row he was able to have his record expunged and which was unheard of really back then and isn't that what god does for us with his blood yeah he expunges our record So, uh, he actually preached, in our recollection, I think it was at Folsom, yeah. up to about three uh, months before he died. Yeah. He just never stopped preaching um, the gospel because that's who he was. At this time, I want to share something with you. We, at the time of this podcast, and if you've turned on to the 700 Club, you'll see them reminiscing about the legacy that Pat Robinson left behind as he has now also been promoted to glory. One of the things that he said very, very early is when he started his broadcast, he didn't even know if it would go down 
the block. And I remember him saying that, and I thought to myself, boy, you know, that was like my dad. Remember I told you earlier about that the Catholic lady that let him build the church next to her house? Well, she was an invalid. She couldn't get to uh, church, and she couldn't get to Mass anymore. But my dad had an FM uh, PA system that he had hooked up. Little did he know, probably breaking every FCC law there was, he wasn't only uh, broadcasting to the church as he spoke into it, he was literally broadcasting in the circumference of a block, which, guess what, included the little Catholic lady who got to hear the church service every time that dad went on the air, even though he didn't know he was until she told him. So, mind you, the days of small beginnings are wonderful things. You might be in a small beginning now. Maybe yes, maybe no. Honey? Um, I think about the lady that anointed Jesus' feet. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, the scripture says of her, she hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And um, I once wrote a song called It's All True, because when I was realizing, uh, reading the story, I realized, wait a minute, that's, I'm reading about that. Yeah. And he said that that's what would happen. Yeah. So that, that was very interesting. So whatever, you know, God wants you to do, that's, that's what you have to do for him. That we had one church... And every time I always say it's hard to be a it's hard to be a pastor and it's hard to be a pastor's wife. Don't let anybody kid you and you be nice to them and you be grateful for them. And and you don't be mean because whenever I say, well, at least we don't have to do a church anymore. I always add the part about and we don't have to sell fireworks. <laughs> because we uh used to sell fireworks in the boiling heat. So the kids could go to camp. But but it's been worth every minute in the heat and every uh, penny because we still hear from those kids who are now, some of them even grandparents, how much that meant to them to get to go to camp. Yeah. So every sacrifice... As its reward. Amen. You mentioned the song that you wrote, It's All True. It's all true. It's all true. The more you seek, we shall find that it's all true. And it goes on like that. But my friend, it is. First Thessalonians 5.24 says, 
faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. My friend, don't be afraid of the adversarial conditions. Don't be afraid of the adversary. But know that if God is for you, who, my friend, can be against you? So on this day after Father's Day, no matter what situation you grow, grew up in, maybe like us, you had to share your parents with the world, it's okay. Because what it's done, it's taught you to give and to give as Christ gave for us. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall be saved. God bless you. And thank you for joining us today. And God, Dad was a messenger of God.